Hello, welcome to the NCETM podcast. I'm Gwen Trasida from the communications team at NCETM. Over the course of the pandemic, I've talked to lots of teachers on this podcast about how they've managed the frequent changes to the way they work. The most notable of these, of course, was being bounced almost overnight into teaching and supporting students learning remotely, often with little or no experience of the technology. Life is far from back to normal, but I thought after two significant periods of online learning, now might be the moment to take a bit of a longer view. So I'm talking to two tech enthusiasts today, and I'm interested to know how they think this year and a half might affect how maths is taught long term, particularly in the post-16 arena. Kyle Evans, you may remember from a previous episode, is Director of Maths and Computer Science at Barton Peveril Sixth Form College near Southampton. And Andy is Learning Technology Lead with MEI, but he is fairly new to this role. And until March, he was teaching at Cheadle Hume School outside Manchester. So through both of the school closure periods. So this podcast um, came about really because um, Andy got in touch with me. He was full of enthusiasm about the online learning environment and what it could offer, you know, a time when lots of teachers were really struggling with it, really fighting with it and um, just having lots of tech difficulties. I think um, Andy was was looking a bit forward and thinking about what it could offer that perhaps even the classroom couldn't offer. Um, So and he was also suggesting that the technological skills that teachers and students were learning in those online um, periods would to some extent continue um, after them. So do you want to tell us a bit more about that, Andy? Yeah, um, it's an interesting one because, you know, I, my last two schools that I worked in were, were both private schools. So I was very lucky to have access to, you know, the latest computer for staff or an iPad or whatever it might be. But what was what was really noticeable in the kind of 10 years that I did in, in private when I came back to this country was people really wanted to use technology because it was flashy and shiny and all that kind of stuff and as a maths teacher I was always we need kids to be writing we need kids to be doing maths like that's the most important bit is we see the lines of working we see what they're actually doing we can see what they're thinking we can see the mistakes that they're going to make so we can't be typing things and and apps are very good you know and if you get them onto the right kind of app um, they can do some practice they can play some games but actually especially when you get into that sixth form level like Carl and I were teaching they've got to be doing the maths. I mean, we've got to be seeing that math. So even as a tech enthusiast, I was very resistant to iPad trials, to, to things like that, that were not going to give any pedagogical goodness to us as maths teachers, you know, because that was missing. Um, you know, that's 10 years ago. And I think what happened then was, you know, Digital Inc. became something which was just more prevalent throughout. So Apple released their pencil. Um, right, so I'm going to stop you now because when we first had this conversation, I didn't know what Digital Link was, and I'm sure lots of our listeners might not. So, do you want to just tell us what it is? Yeah, sure. Um, so, one of the first steps that I would encourage anyone to do is get a stylus. Um, so, everyone, everyone generally would know what a stylus is. Yeah. But yeah. what what the big companies have done, what Apple have done with their pencil, and what the the USI, the the kind of standard now for Chromebooks, if you like. What they've done with them is take them to the, to another level. Um, and it's become that powerful writing implement. We've now got this, what, what we refer to as digital ink. So. So when you my, say everyone should get one, are you talking about students and teachers? Yeah. And if, if you're a teacher thinking, you know, I quite like my whiteboard and I like working on it and I like my chalk and talk because, you know, it still does work and it works in every math classroom. Um, the first step you can take is to, you know, not go crazy with, jumping into every shiny app or anything that you can have but if you've got access to 
a touchscreen device, whether that's, you know, a standard iPad, whether it's a laptop, whatever, uh, and it has a touchscreen and you can use a stylus on it, just opening up to using things like Google Jamboard, which I'm sure Kyle knows about if they're, if they're using Google stuff, um, or Microsoft OneNote or a plethora of other things you can use as whiteboards. And just displaying that onto your board through a projector, whatever, you don't need anything interactive. That's your first step because you're not changing anything other than writing on a screen compared to writing on a board. So that's you as the teacher yeah. uh, writing on your device and then yeah. it appearing on the board behind you in the classroom. Yeah. 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 OK. Um, so that immediately gives you the, the advantage of being able to face forwards and face the students while you're. A face anywhere and go yeah. and stand, stand behind <laughs> that annoying student at the back who's not listening. Yeah. Um, and then they look up and can't find you and realize that you're <laughs> behind them. Um, but that, you know, that first step there just allows you then all of a sudden to be, you know, automatically saving that Jamboard shared into your Google Classroom, if you like. Or if you've got all your students, um, enrolled into a OneNote classroom, that's live for them straight away. Right. You know, whether they've got a device or not. My, my previous school had no devices, but I enrolled them all into OneNote class because what it meant was they never had to worry if they missed a lesson about catching anything up it was right there i mean they could watch it live if they were so inclined um they had they wouldn't have to catch up it was all there we could annotate um you know i could put pictures in there and it just became a digital classroom if you like so for them as students they were seeing nothing different they would sit at their seats they could still look at the whiteboard they could still write their notes completely as normal Mm. but if they missed anything they knew the notes were there their parents could check if they wanted to and see. I showed them at parents, you know, here's all their notes. If you're ever worried about what they're doing or you want, you're interested in it, go and have a look. All the examples are there. The students who were, you know, slower at writing things down or, or really needed to, to watch and concentrate, well, they could go and write it down later. And, and that became really powerful yeah. for them to actually just stay engaged in a, an example, if you like, rather than, you know, constantly looking up, looking down, looking up, looking down and just missing vital points you might teach. Yeah. Digital link opened that up for teachers, in my right, opinion. Right. And then yeah. you take that through all the way to, to students. And if they're privileged enough to have a device at home or that they have to use all the time where they can use a, a stylus, if you like, then they can work on that one note. They can work on that Jamboard at the same time you are. You know, that's what we would sit collaboratively. I'd be sitting in the garden room teaching them and they'd have their Jamboard open, I'd have the same Jamboard open, and we'd work side by side on the screen. So it, I think we're at the stage now where the digital link, the stylus, has opened up. Well, actually, yeah, we can now do everything we possibly could need to do as a maths teacher and what we need to see with with technology. So, Kyle, how, do, how does that compare to what you were doing? Were you using digital link in, at all? Yeah, it's, in, it's interesting. We've got so now that we've come back to teaching mostly in person, I've got a couple of teachers. I've got about 15 in my team, and I, I've got a couple of teachers that write on a tablet, wander the room, and project it up to the front. Uh, but I've probably still got the majority that are more comfortable working from the front, and they've, it, you, but they're backing it up now more than ever with by you know putting the resources onto Google Classroom in advance. Um, so that, you know, t- students who need to catch up can do in those sort of ways. So honestly, I think a lot of it, a lot of that is horses for courses, really. I think uh, we can become sometimes too obsessed with the tech and the tech should always serve the teaching, not not the other way around. So mm. I think, uh, you know, if someone felt so uncomfortable walking around the room with a tablet, 
um, that they couldn't make the maths clear, then it's not serving the teaching anymore. I mean, I'll, I'll never forget when I was doing my PGCE, the first school I ever went into, which is a primary school, uh, because that was just how you did the secondary PGCE at the time. And the primary school that I went into, there was not a single place in the school where you could write something on the wall, you know, just write, get a pen out of your pocket and write something that the kids could see. Every manual board had been replaced with a smart board as a tech initiative and um, this is in no way comparable to what Andy's talking about but um, it was an absurd situation where it was no longer serving good teaching. An interesting point that Andy brushed on was um, if the students are privileged enough to have the uh, the device and um, I think that is I think that is crucial and I think a beauty of mathematics is that it is so universal and it's a great leveler um, you can understand mathematics and do it um, with a pencil and a bit of paper you don't need anything beyond that and um, so I'm always wary although I am an advocate of using tech to advance learning I'm always hesitant anything that takes you away from the universality of being able to just pick up a, a pen and paper mm. um, and do maths that's what we've all felt in the last year or so is that trade-off between what's actually useful and better and what would be what would work better if they were just writing on paper in the class and I was looking over their shoulder. I've talked to a few teachers who've used the white, various different sorts of whiteboards uh, online, but what I never managed to do was to get the students to actually be able to write on them properly. It was very clunky, sort of they were doing it with their finger. It looked like baby writing. And from what Andy's saying, that sounds very different. It sounds like a stylus is almost replacing a pen and paper. Yeah, I mean, if you've got a really good, uh, if you've got a really good stylus and a nice touch screen, then um, I reckon that it would probably work perfectly. Yeah, mm, but, but that um, wasn't that wasn't what your students had. Well, it's just not what happens. No, in, right. a, in a in a big um, in a big school or college, um, I think you. You know, just the sheer numbers mean that you're going to have people writing with a mouse, you know, someone trying to manage three screens on their smartphone. Uh, and uh, it's just um, it falls down and then you start to move towards where the more privileged ones can contribute uh, better. You know, it's an inevitability of the numbers, I think. Andy, would you go as far as saying that you think a, a stylus is like the next bit of tech that needs to there was lots of talk about making sure that every student had a device wasn't this particularly in the second lockdown mm. would you now include a stylus in that you know we had a similar situation to Kyle really so our year seven to nine used to have to have an iPad um, they didn't have to have anything else it just had to be an iPad basic one you know no no pencil no stylus with it or anything like that um, the nature of the school meant that and the number of those iPads were big iPad Pros and, you know, would have all the bells and whistles, including the pencil. So we had a, a random mixture of things coming through when we used like Whiteboard FI or Jamboard. And you'd look at, you know, you'd look at the whole screen on Whiteboard FI and see what everyone was was writing. And some of them would have beautiful cursive, you know, they're using their nice pencil and all that really, really good. And then some like Kyle says are trying to write it with their mouse and it's it's just impossible. Mm. So you'd have to encourage those students to say, well, you know what? Yes, we're using the whiteboard. This might be better if you write it on paper, take a picture and upload it to the whiteboard. Right. And, you know, that's going to be better for you um, just so that we can try and have that. 
So let's go back to you, Kyle. Thinking of the thinking of all the tools that you used when you were when you're on an online learning, what's the what's the what's your favourite that you would keep in a face to face classroom or that you have um, kept in a face to face classroom? I've tried to have a go at using a tablet and Jamboard and sort of teaching like that. I'm still I'm still torn. I've been I've actually had training where I've seen someone do it really brilliantly and, and seamlessly but I, I feel like I need to work at that a bit more before I became fluent at it I feel more comfortable still teaching from the front um, with a with a projector um, I suppose probably it's probably just Google Classroom which is pretty might be pretty low tech if you're a big tech head but um, I mean we were using it before COVID to for students to submit homework anyway uh, but now teachers have all got really good at uploading all resources, everything that they ever use in class um, to to classroom. And when I started teaching, there was things like Moodles and things like that where resources would go. But no students were actually using them. <clears throat> you know, if I do CPD now and there's a Moodle, I think no. In my in my brain, I go, I'm not going to be using that because it just it's like, well, it's like a forum. It's like you have to get a password, <laughs> log into a like a message board and kind of download the thing. It's just, you know, we all it's it's just not accessible enough. So. So, yeah, Google Classroom, I think um, that just a few years ago, if you missed a lesson through illness, you'd have to borrow someone's, you know, you'd have to borrow your mate's notes, wouldn't you? Yeah. And, um how fantastic that uh, those days are gone. You still might borrow your mate's notes and get them to talk you through it. And um, and Andy, I think I think we pretty much know yours would be the stylus. Is there anything else you want to add mm. that you would definitely take into the into the main classroom, into the face to face classroom? I think one of the things that 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 really kind of struck me over that time was that the students were happy with that blended learning, with that flipped learning. They were happy to, in the first lockdown, for example, we did no live lessons. We were get up in the morning, record them a video, set all the work on classroom, and then kind of um, be there for a check-in like once a week just to have a live in the chat or anything. And then obviously we we, we sorted out as a school and, and as a country how it was going to work and what we were going to accept, individual schools accepting videos on, off, etc. Um, so the second time we were 50% needed to be live lessons um, and the students missed that flipped learning of I'm, I'm quite happy to be in control of my own learning here Mr Lumley and I can go and watch that video and one of the girls in she was year 10 at the time she said to me what I really liked about it was I could listen to you do the the teaching bit at the start of the lesson I could watch your video but then I, I could pause it I could go back and re-listen to it because if I'm in lesson and I'm trying to listen to you and, and I don't pick up what you just said, well, that's gone. Um, but now I could go back and rewatch it over and over. I mean, she, and she was a really, really good student. So she, I was like, that really made me think about, well, is it worth still doing some flipped learning back in the classroom? Um, so I, with my year sevens last year, I did an entire module. I think it was fractions um, near the start of the year. And I just flipped the whole thing, recorded videos for every single lesson. And in, in lesson, I was just going around helping them. They really, really loved it. Um, the amount of work that went into it, <laughs> you couldn't do it for every single one. Let's say they had five lessons over a fortnight for kind of our year sevens. And in there would be two 30-minute homeworks as well. So what I said to them, right, you've got, we've got five lessons and two homeworks. We're, we're all going to start this together. 
we have a minimum amount that we need to do on each topic and then you're going to move on to the next thing after you take this little test so i did an on i did a google form three question multiple choice type test as a little check they would do that and then they would move on to the next topic and keep working through but it just allowed them to homework was to carry on so they were doing the right. same thing at home whether that was watching the next video from me whether it was working through an exercise whether it was going to a do a quizzes that would set up or whatever um it just gave them a bit more autonomy in terms of that two weeks they knew what they had to do mixed ability year seven so you know some real flyers in there who wanted to just get on and when you're teaching that mixed ability that's really hard to cater for them normally and similarly for the ones that were at the weaker end they could take their time and just work through what they really needed to work through rather than trying to keep up and just kind of going, I don't, I don't know what's going on here. Um, so it worked really well, but like the, the time it took to set it up was yeah. crazy. I'm going to stop you there because uh, the last thing I want to ask you about, I think, is um, engagement, because I think um, you've both talked a lot about about the opportunities that the online environment um, offers, particularly if the student is is sort of willing to be engaged but I think um what a lot of what a lot of teachers around the country will have been dealing with is those students that are not engaging and I know a lot of schools um in January this year felt their engagement was much better but I wonder if those schools are now looking at those students and going well they were logging on but really were they learning anything and that's something that you know schools have got good at perceiving in the classroom but how are we perceiving that online so, um, yeah, I just wondered if you both wanted to talk a little bit about engagement. And um, do you want to start, Kyle? Yeah, certainly. Uh, it's, yeah, I don't think it, I think it would be naive not to think that it's um, been a problem. Uh, I I mean, it, it's a bit like Andy was saying there. Everything Andy just said is um, fantastic. But I think if you did that all the time, uh, you would lose engagement as the variety isn't it it'd be fantastic if it reminded some teachers that actually their students could really benefit from just having some guided independent um time you know time to consolidate uh but yeah as as with all of this definitely some students have become i mean even some of some of my really able a-level students have become disengaged it's just i mean we all felt it didn't we when when working from home, it just sort of saps the life out of you gradually. So uh, we, yeah, it's, I think we, if we can learn a little bit from it and um, and kind of get the spark back from in-person teaching. I mean, I must share one fantastic story I've heard of a school where um, the tech, uh, the techies there, the IT department, were able to uh, introduce a thing where if this, if the student was completely uh, had no response for five minutes, so didn't type anything, didn't move their mouse around, uh, then they would, some sort of warning would go to the teacher that the student had, you know, like buggered off to make a cup of tea or something. So the student made a little motorised um, kind of hammock to put the mouse in. Uh, and so and just to rock the mouse gently so that they could kind of mill about the house without getting pulled up by the teacher. So um, they might have learnt some, might, perhaps not the kind of learning they were meant to be picking up from that experience. but um, Good initiative, though. I like good that. initiative, yeah. You've got to, there's got to be something in that. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> And have, have you got anything to add about engagement, Andy, in terms of yeah, getting students engaged when they're, they're competing with their Xbox or their telly or whatever that's in the bedroom next to them? 
Yeah, I think the key for us was when we turned the cameras on and that became, it had to be your camera was on. Um, you know, the first lockdown was no cameras and the second one was you must turn your camera on because you just, we just lost kids. So that second time when we, when we were in lockdown, it was, you know, cameras are on and that was so, so, so much better as a teacher because you felt like you had that, even though they weren't there, you had that eye contact. Um, you could call them out if they were just looking to the side instead of getting on with their work, like you would do in a classroom, you know, just mention their name. Um, so that, that had a, that had a massive impact. If I may just contribute, yeah, I mean, in this second lockdown, we completely failed here with cameras on. Um, so they just gradually drifted off and then just went. And I think it was almost universal unless a class had a particularly good rapport. I mean, I, with um, new, for, it was actually easier with the existing students that you'd known for a year. But with new students that didn't really know each other. Mm. Uh, it was just so hard to get cameras on and I and it is it was genuinely difficult because you would if you ask and the cameras still don't go on you know Mm. what then you can have whole college policies but it's very difficult because it also breaks a sort of a trust um, boundary they should want if you ask them they should want to put their cameras on if they feel comfortable to do that because they feel comfortable with the learning environment environment if you ask them and they say no and then you force it it's difficult and I've been on CPD only last week where no one would put their camera camera on and um, the course the person running the course was asking people if they could put their cameras on when they responded to a question but then they were turning them off again Um, and it was really quite awkward uh, and and difficult but it's just a really it's a hard situation, but that's because all the teachers didn't know each other uh, mm. particularly, and they obviously didn't feel comfortable um, to put their cameras on. And there's there's a very difficult line there between, you know, is that something that you want to dictate? Um, like I do think there's there is potential here. So if if students at least are aware of how they can use Teams or Google Classroom or Zoom or whatever your school uses. I mean, there is I do think there's potential that if they could be taught that at the start of the year, it could get you out of a pinch, especially at sick form. You know, if you if you have a teacher that, uh, you know, for whatever reason is uh, able to teach from home uh, but can't get into college and there's no one to cover it. I mean, in most areas where I teach or in a lot of areas, the students would just be given some instructions and sent away for an hour and a half. If they, if they could, if they always had headphones on them and they could go to the library and then at least they could get a guided lecture from the teacher for an hour and a half where they could, you know, be guided through the content and set work and they'd have someone at hand to answer questions. So uh, I do think yeah, whilst we're all trying to rush away from it, just as a last resort, it could be it could be something that we could all use going forward, hopefully. Mm. But thank you anyway, both of you, for giving us a peek into how the future might look and um, thinking about what we can learn from um, the online teaching that teachers have had to do um, to take back into the classroom and also cope with the uncertainty of, you know, how many uh, students are going to be out um, at any one time. Um, And thank you to everyone listening out there for tuning into the podcast and for all the amazing hurdles that you've overcome in your own teaching this year. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe or leave us a review. 
And if there's anyone you really think we should interview on our podcast, you can get in touch via our website or Twitter or Facebook. Goodbye. <laughs>